The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Alex, and I am voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the 2020 election. All right, before we get into this episode, I want to give you guys a little personal life update. Uh, I'm actually in the middle of moving houses right now, which is so exciting. Um, But with that excitement also comes a different recording setup. So it might sound a little bit different uh, than it usually does. That's the beauty of the pandemic podcast recording. But this episode is so important and very, very timely. So just so you guys know, let's get into it. My parents told us, you know, there's there's specific things that you want to share. You want to share your positivity. You want to share your light with other people. You want to share love and, and happiness. Uh, but the one thing you don't want to share, and, and my parents always said to just not really talk about it because it always brings up problems, is politics. And so I grew up kind of disconnecting myself from politics, kind of in that realm of, you know, unless it involves me directly not really worth bringing up because it only divides people it only makes you choose a side and all of those things that's how i grew up but i grew up (laughs) and so uh as i became an adult i started realizing one that life is a lot bigger than just me i think i should be more caring about other people and so i realized that a part of that caring for other people is is fighting for other people and supporting other people and not only in my personal dealings but also in you know, in voting. This was kind of at the same time that I was gaining a following on social media. And I realized that every time I saw somebody that was speaking out, not only were they met with some support and love, there was also people that were just bashing that person. They would be like, why are you talking about this? I can't believe you. Because again, there are two sides to to most, you know, situations. So I wasn't really sure if I wanted to be one of those artists that talks about topics that might cause people to think of me you know differently or just stand up for what I believe in and my my parents always taught me to follow my heart and a lot of the times especially 
in support of of the LGBTQ plus community because I've always had so many friends, so many family members who are a part of the LGBTQ plus community. I've always been a, a very proudly an ally to the LGBTQ plus community, and I realized that that was kind of the first um, social issue that I was passionate enough about in my heart that I knew I needed to speak up about it. And even at that point, you know, like there were some super small-minded, you know, uh, like I like to say less evolved human beings who had views against my own that that definitely said I can't believe you support this or whatever, but I realized that I was doing myself a better service by uh, by speaking out and following my heart the same way that I do with my music with my own life. Once I realized that, and this was actually only a few years ago, like you have to understand, I was never even into politics until, you know, this year, like this, this, this cycle of, of elections since really since Donald Trump came into office when I realized that it's way more than just the LGBTQ plus community that I'm passionate about, that I need to be vocal about, and more than all of that, that I need to educate myself about. So I've taken time through this pandemic, through all of these social issues that we've been, you know, we've been dealing with in real time from racial justice or racial injustice, the lack thereof, environmental policies and the way that each of these candidates are viewing the environment and global warming and, and climate change, so many different things that it's, it's almost not even politics, you know? It's about me following my heart and doing what's right. And if other people call that politics, then we're here talking about politics. I'm realizing and I'm understanding that all of us have different things that we're passionate about. All of us have different things that, that speak to our hearts. And the most important part across the whole board of that is that we all vote. So that got me thinking, why is it so important to vote? All right, guys, what's up? This is Alex Iono. This is my podcast. It's called Let's Get Into It. And we talk about everything under the sun. And now we can really say that because we're talking about the thing that my parents told me to never publicly talk about, politics. Um, we are talking about the importance of this election, talking about uh, getting involved in politics, even if it's something you don't necessarily want to even do. And I needed two amazing guests that could help inspire that. And so luckily, thanks to Catherine and thanks to our amazing guests, we made it happen. My two guests, one of them is Ashanti Golar. She is a nationally recognized political strategist. She is the president of Emerge, which is an organization that recruits and trains democratic women to run for office. She's also the founder of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, which is an organization that also has a fantastic podcast. Ashanti, how are you? I'm good, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Catherine. Of course. Our other guest is Tanya Mosley. She's the co-host of NPR's Here and Now, co-host of the podcast Truth Be Told, as well as NPR's Film Club. She's worked in every medium from television to print to radio to documentary filmmaking. She actually recently won an Emmy for her televised piece, Beyond Ferguson. So one, congratulations. Two, oh, hi, Tanya. How are you? I am well. Thank you all for having me. I'm really honored to be on the show with you, Alex. Of course. Thank you both for being here. And again, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to use this episode more than anything as like education for myself to continue, you know, learning about the importance of stepping up and getting involved in politics. So thank you both for being uh, my teachers today. We have some really cool topics that we're going to be talking about. First, uh, Tanya, you and I are going one-on-one. -on -one. We're going to talk about journalism and politics. Mm. Uh, and then we'll take a quick break. When we come back from that break, Ashanti, you and I are going to talk about the importance of getting involved in politics. 
Uh, and then lastly, the three of us are all going to have a big, nice round table talking about voting in the dun, 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 dumpster fire of 2020. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited for all of those topics. But before we get into them, today is actually 9-11. And with all of the madness going on in the world, um, it's the 19th anniversary. And so even though we are a, for lack of a better term, a country divided right now, uh, I think it is important to recognize the sacrifice that all of the first responders made. I think about our country then, and though a lot of the problems we have today were still problems then, uh, it felt like a different time. And I, it's almost sad thinking about how great we were as human beings to each other just for that mm. one moment versus mm. where we are today. But I, I wanted to talk about that. Do either of you guys have anything specific that you'd like to share? I mean, I was six years old, so I remember sitting on my parents' bed and seeing it, not really understanding the the weight of it all. But um, if either of you guys have anything that you'd like to say, just because today is, is September 11th, um, I, I would love to hear it. Sure. You know, when you mentioned that, I thought about you, Alex, about how old you, you were at that time. And actually, my heart aches thinking about you being so young and that memory being seared into your consciousness because, you know, at six years old, you're just learning about the world around you. I was actually a young journalist then. I was just, I was in my first job in media and I'll never forget that time and that day. It felt like such a dark time and it felt like there was so much confusion and hopelessness. But to your point, there was also a sense of coming together as Americans during that time. I remember you couldn't drive anywhere without seeing American flags everywhere. And we all kind of came together in this collective grief. And there's a lot of difference now in what we're seeing. We'll talk about this a little bit later, I'm sure. But, you know, one thing that I think about the difference between today and then is social media. And what would the world have been like Back then, if we had social media, yes, we would have been more connected in a way that information would have been passed through really quickly. But on the other hand, a lot of misinformation would have been passed through. All of those conspiracy theories would have been at the forefront in a way that that might have made us more divisive. And it's kind of this major factor today and why we're so divisive. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Ashanti, do you have anything you want to add? I agree with the divisiveness. And for me, what I really think about is empathy. Back then, we had a president, no matter what you want to think about him, he had empathy for what happened. And we know that there was still absolute hatred, particularly to our Muslim and Sikh brothers and sisters. They took the majority of that hate. But I remember, you know, George Bush, he went to go visit the site and someone had yelled, we can't hear you. And he yelled back, but I can hear you. And just those simple words to let people know that they were not alone. They had a leader that saw them. And we had more empathy for each other as Americans and for humans. And you do not see that today. We do not have that empathetic leader. We do not have that leadership And it's amazing what can happen in 20 years. I was very clear when Trump got elected, people asked me, what do you think is going to be the key thing that we're going to see? And I said, we're going to see how fragile democracy is. And that is what we are witnessing when you do not have empathetic servant leadership in the White House. And that's going to lead me perfectly into my next question. Uh, Usually with my guests, I have a question that we kind of throw around, which is how have you been improving yourselves this week? 
for the next few episodes, uh, I actually want to change that question to continue inspiring um, not only young voters, but but every American out there who has the ability to vote and hopefully we can inspire them to vote. So instead of asking, how have you been improving? I want to ask all of my guests, why are you voting? And, uh, and I'll start again, like I've said, I, I've never been the most educated in terms of politics. And it's something that I try and learn more and more about every day. I try and unfortunately watch all of the news and deduct where the uh, where the truth is uh, in all of it or try and really follow my heart. But for me, I'm voting because I see people I love being told that they are not the same level of priority as other human beings. And it breaks my heart. I mean, I have so many friends that are constantly fighting for the same freedoms that I have as a heterosexual, cisgender, you know, half white uh, male. I'm looking at my sisters. I'm looking at my mother. I'm looking at my, my friends and family in the LGBTQ plus community. I'm looking at my black brothers, sisters, and, and non-binary family members. It tears me apart as somebody who always wants to follow their heart, that as a country, we are not treating every human being the exact same way. And, and, and so that for this episode is going to be my main reason why I want to let everybody know I am voting. Mm. That being said, Ashanti, you got anything for me? I always tell people that at my core, I vote because I literally had people fight and die for me to have this right. A right that they want it so bad, they march, they protest, they led these amazing movements so I could easily register to vote on my 18th birthday, vote for whoever I want. And I take that very seriously, that my ancestors, this is the future that they wanted for me. So I have to make sure that I am an active participant in my government and the second part is, you know, for me, I'm doing quite well. I'm lucky in that sense. But I really think about my nieces and my nephews. And I want for them to be able to do what T.T. Shawnee was able to do. I need for them to have that same quality of life. And if I want them to have that quality of life, I need to make sure that there are people in office who see them as young Black girls, young Black boys who deserve to have a future, a great future, and who will create and pass policies to allow that to happen. I love that. Tanya, what do you have to add? Yeah, you know, I mean, Ashanti really laid it out so well. Some of the same reasons why I feel it's so important to vote. You know, I grew up right around the corner from my grandparents, and I would say my family was not extremely political, but one thing they did instill in me was the power of voting and that I should vote. My first job was working on the polls. I think I was about 15 years old, and my grandfather would volunteer every year to work on the polls for every single election. And I had a chance to be a part of that political process every time an election came up to work on the polls and volunteer in that way. You know, I'm an American and it's my right to be able to be a part of the democratic process. And I also, just like Ashanti, want to instill in younger people and in my children that this is what we do as part of our civic duty. And it's also important that 
I didn't grow up really focusing in on those issues, but right now it is so important for us to be thinking in this way, to learn about what our politicians are doing, what they stand behind, what their records are. And so, yes, that is my answer to your question, Alex. I love it. I love it. I know that we uh, we kind of dipped down in, in a moment of solidarity for 9-11, but I think your guys' answer is just kind of brought my energy right back up. And I think that's where it should be. You know, we, we are really, if we as a country do this right, then we're going to make some really good changes here. And so uh, both of your answers, if you're listening, I hope that those answers inspired you more than even mine. But it is your right. It is not only your right, it's your duty as a citizen of the United States to vote and to help make decisions in this world. And uh, I, I love your answers. I, I just, I wanted to say that. That being said, uh, Ashanti, we'll be with you in just a second. Tanya, you and I are going to go one-on-one. Uh, we're talking about journalism and politics, which you know quite a bit about both of. <laughs> you know quite a bit about both of them. For the next few weeks, we're actually talking about politics and not just because everybody's talking about politics, but right now with everything that's going on in the world, we need to get involved. We need to make a difference. Things are not okay. Speaking of which, you're actually, you live in Pasadena, which is currently on fire. I just want to make sure, are you guys, are you okay? Oh, I'm so, thank you so much for asking me that. Yeah, I'm about five miles away from one of the wildfires burning and we are in the warning zone. So we, mm. we haven't been told to evacuate yet, but just to be on standby. So we do have our bags packed and we are watching what's happening. It literally is one of those things where we go, what else could possibly happen? I know. And then it happens. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing okay. I'm glad to hear you're prepared. If you are in any area in Los Angeles or anywhere on the West Coast where fires are, please make sure that you are, uh, you are ready for any emergency situations. Um, let's get back into politics, though. We all know that there is, especially now, like you mentioned with uh, social media, there is a ton of propaganda, false information that's literally spread all across social media. But we're also finding that that's also true with traditional news outlets. I turn on the TV and I switch from Fox to NBC mm. to MSNBC to CNN. It is just across the board. It's so hard to find which of these um, news sources is telling you the most unbiased version of what's going on in the world. Mm. How do you think somebody can identify which news sources are actually trustworthy? You know, Alex, this is the billion dollar question, because we have so many sources that we can go to. You turn on the news. You know, the one thing that I think is also a challenge for people is we often don't have context. We don't start off with context. So people flipping channels, going to different sites online, you're getting the latest on things, but you don't have an understanding of where it fits in the collective, like the overall. Mm -hmm. And so it just feels like noise because there's so much. This is something I think very deeply about because I work for NPR. I have worked throughout my career in what I consider reputable news organizations, but I realize that we are now in a time where people are telling us they're not sure whether or not they can trust us. And so mm -hmm. I'm thinking very deeply about what does that mean and what we can do to be able to provide that clarity for people because they're confused. You can think about some of your major newspapers, your local newspapers who have been decimated by budget cuts because of the recession uh, back in 2006 and seven and eight, but they're still there. Those places, those people can give you the on the ground news, for instance, around voting, where you are, when you can vote, where you can vote, where you need to have your absentee ballots, when you need to have them in. Those are really important questions on the local level you can start with. Um, your newspapers and also your television stations, the NBCs, the CBSs, the ABCs, 
But, you know, we do have to call on them to be better. And I actually think that media organizations are really open to that right now because we're all running around with our heads cut off. We're all kind of like every day there is something happening with the Trump administration. There are wildfires. There's a pandemic. There's the racial reckoning. There's all of these things happening. We want to provide the best information, but we also want to make certain that you can hear it through the noise. Yeah, I love that. And I don't know if it's rare or not. You might be one of the very first members of the media that I've spoken to. Um, But as a member of the media, you've never been afraid to voice your opinions on the media itself like you just have. Uh, You've also spoken uh, a bit about the importance of diversity in a newsroom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now, we are dealing with everything from racial injustice to people making laws about women's bodies. Mm -hmm. What shortcomings do we see when the diversity of the newsroom hasn't been met? Oh, well, we just saw it at the end of May and June and and even right in this moment when people started rising up in the streets and saying, we just saw a black man die in Minnesota, George Floyd, and we're tired of it. We're seeing black men on video die all the time. There needs to be big change. We're not talking about incremental change. We're talking about reforming police, defunding police, changes to our government, changes to the way police operate. We were really handicapped because when it comes to covering issues of race and racism, Americans have a really hard time with it. You know, I mean, we can cover just about anything. But when it comes to race and racism, when you don't have the diversity in your newsroom, you're caught flat footed because you don't know Mm -hmm. how to take on those issues. And so all of the things that I've been talking about and so many voices have been talking about over the decades, even before I was born about diversity in newsrooms, it's really coming to a head at this point. And it's not that hard to diversify newsrooms, but it's also incumbent on our white brothers and sisters to take on this as well, because white is a race and they're also a part of this as well. And so I think what it brought up for us is not only how we need more people of color in newsrooms, but also how we need white people to understand their place in all of this and how they can be a part of the change when it comes to covering it in the media. As you know, Alex, like I've been for over the last few years talking a lot about journalists really acknowledging implicit bias and our own biases. And that's because until we really acknowledge that we're human beings and we're part of this collective, just like everyone else, we're not like these superhuman people who are over here and can truly be objective. Our life experiences play a huge role in how we cover the news. Until we acknowledge that, we can't really make change. And so that's that's kind of where I sit on this. That was just perfectly said. Um, I do want to change directions. I'll speak directly to politics, especially the political moment that we're in right now. You talked recently on one of your shows about the uh, the suburban Trump supporters who do want to stick with Trump. For people who are planning to double down and vote for him again, do you think it has to do more with like politics or are they just trying to prove to themselves at this point that they didn't make a bad decision four years ago? Oh, that's such a complicated question. You know, I think we're all trying to figure out why people support what they do and who they do. And there are lots of different reasons for it. But I think in many ways, and I can't speak for all Trump supporters, but there is a feeling among many Trump supporters that they are the unheard. Think about if your whole life, the world was one way. And then over the course of just a few short years, you start seeing things change in a profound way. You start seeing that 
there are more people of color where you live. You see that they're taking jobs that used to be predominantly held by white people. And this is just one slice of it. I'm not saying this is like across the board. You may have already dealt with hardships, but what I hear and what I heard from those women that I talked to on my show was that they earnestly believe what they believe and there's nothing that I could ever say, you could ever say, Ashanti could ever say that would change how they feel about it. What does that tell us about where we are when there's no unifying voice, when there's no unifying collective understanding of where we want to go in this country? Democracy is at stake. I mean, we're seeing it crumble. That goes back to what we were talking about when we talked about 9-11. We all were collectively in agreement that what happened was wrong mm-hmm. and that we want to see something happened because of that. Today, we don't have any unifying collective understanding of what we feel like is wrong. It's the truth, though, you know, like I think a big issue that I see uh, is that we at this moment, so many of us believe that everything that we believe is the right thing. And our willingness to be wrong is at such a low level these days. And Mm. the reason why I asked about the doubling down to prove that they're right is like, I think it's human nature to, Mm. even when you know you're wrong, I think about when you get in an argument with your significant other Mm -hmm. and you start realizing like, damn, I'm wrong in this Mm -hmm. argument, but you still keep kind of pushing for it. Yeah. Just like that, you know? And so I I look at it, um, I look at us as not only a country divided, but a country that's too afraid to step up and be wrong. But Alex, how much do you think, and I don't want to, because, you know, I'm on social media just like everyone else, but I've been thinking really deeply about how it has polarized us in a way where you could double down. But what if you knew you could go online and you can find millions of other people who also feel like you and are feeding you and saying what you're saying is right And hey, here's some other stuff that we found. Like you have a collective community of people who are always affirming you. You know, like we're all looking at each other right now. When we go on our social media feeds, we'll all be looking at something different. Because based on the things that we put in, it's giving us back what it feels are most aligned with what we put in. So there's no truth there. There's no like centering of truth there that really gets us to this unifying front that we're talking about. I'm really concerned about it. And I don't know where it's going to take us. I don't think we've ever been here in our entire, like the entire existence of humanity. We've never been at this place where we have the convergence of all of this coming together at once. That's that's very interesting to think about. Uh, I mean, social media is, is, like you mentioned, it's tailored to us. You know, it's tailored to to our own voices and it's tailored to... When we speak, it, it tailors everything around that to make us feel like we are the leader of, you know, of that community, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know where we're going to go with that either. Some people say regulation is the way. We'll see where that goes. But the regulation of media companies, social media companies. I think that that's absolutely valid and, and would be absolutely warranted, especially because we are divided. I do want to talk about flipping the social media around a little bit because you've, you've said some things on social media that I absolutely love. You tweeted a couple of weeks ago uh, about your grandma telling you that there's, it seems like there's so much going on, but at the same time, nothing's happening. Right. <laughs> you also mentioned um, that, that we just kind of don't seem to be learning from history. Like mm-hmm. we're stuck in one spot. Why do you think we're so stuck? You know, I've been thinking a lot about this as I look out in my window and I see the orange sky and I think oh. like, it feels like the world is burning. And we know we've been here before. 
but somehow we continue to do it. And maybe it's just human nature. What if this is just how it happens? I mean, we know there are other civilizations in time. We can know because we excavate and we find things in the ground all the time that are surprising and give us a view of the past. Also, I think, though, specifically about the United States, and we think about like our founding we're always moving forward. We're always looking forward, never back. It's always about the new. Mm. How can we be better and bigger? And we have always, as a country, culturally, put less value on history. If you go to other parts of the world, history is such a huge part of their foundation. I mean, if you go to Italy or Spain or any of those, Egypt, I mean, they still have all of the, those old artifacts up. And it's like one of the first things you learn when you go to those places is the history of the place. We're not like that in the United States. And so that goes for all of it, including race and racism, which is America's original sin. We don't want to go back and look at that. We feel like it is, that's the past. We're now in the present and we should be looking to the future. But I think what we've seen over the summer is more indication than anything else in our recent history that we have to deal with that original sin in order to move forward. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break. But before we get there, I have one last question for you. Uh, in a perfect world, in your mind, what does our country look like? What does our country feel like after the 2020 election? My main focus right now as a journalist is, as I mentioned before, is to add context, clarity, and understanding. And one of my main focus points is really offering folks an understanding of how they can vote. Because it's so different than it than it's ever been because of the pandemic, most states you're going to be voting absentee when you need to have your ballot in in if you need to go in person where you can go how you can keep yourself safe that's my mission over the next few weeks you know like there are places like Florida for instance where felons have been given the right to vote but they now there's a supreme court decision is they still they have to pay all of their fines before they can vote but it's such an antiquated system you may not even know where you owe a fine So how would you know where to go to pay the fine? Those are the things I'm thinking about, because if it's as close as many people believe it might be, every vote counts. And if you've allowed folks the the right to vote in places like Florida, but they, they will get to the polls and they won't be able to cast a vote, that could have an outcome in the election. Thank you so much, Tanya. Really, like, again, like I mentioned earlier, this is an educational experience for me. So the things that you mentioned with the media in the professional space, I think a lot of that advice can be taken as just people who have social media accounts tweeting things out of our brains and tweeting things out of our hearts. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm actually going to be speaking with Ashanti Golar. We're going to be talking about getting involved with politics. Don't go anywhere. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. 
I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right, y'all, we are back. This is Let's Get Into It. We are talking about getting involved with politics here in 2020. I just had an amazing conversation with Tanya talking about the um, the journalistic side of, of politics, uh, how that's all playing into now. And now I got Ashanti Golar. I already gave you your intro. You've done uh, more things than I can count on both hands and both feet. Uh, so let's just get straight into it, Ashanti. All right. Do you think that one person can make a difference? One person can absolutely make a difference. So at Emerge, we focus on recruiting and training Democratic women to run for office. And I'm not joking when I say every year we have several alums who lose their race by one vote. Mm. I will repeat that again. There are several people in this country who lose their race by one vote. And I'm going to tell this particular story about Shelly Simons. She was, she's one of our alums. She ran for Virginia delegate in 2017. Her race was tied. Do you know how you break a tie vote in Virginia? You pick a name out of a hat. Are you serious? That is how her race was decided. Her name was not picked out of the hat. So during that legislative session, Amazing bills that focus on LGBTQ issues, Medicare expansion, police reform, passing the Equal Rights Amendment, all those votes failed by one vote. If Shelley had been elected, those bills would have gotten passed. But she's an eMERGE woman. She ran again in 2019, won, and now you see Virginia leading the way in their state house with bills that are bettering the lives of people. Mm. So when we say not one person can make a difference, your one vote can actually mean the difference between if you get discriminated against when applying for a job because of who you love, if your family member is able to get the health care that they need, if your school gets the proper funding so that kids don't have their lunch thrown away because their parents can't pay the bill. 
So never, ever think that your vote does not matter, that you don't matter. And when we talk about politics so much, there's really an ecosystem. There's the candidates that get elected by voters, but those candidates also have campaign staff because running a campaign is really like running a business. They have a campaign manager, they have a treasurer, they have a press secretary, and those campaign staff, they need amazing volunteers. And those volunteers and the voters are the ones that make things happen. And even if none of those things appeal to you, you can be a donor. And if even when we talk about donors, because of how our campaign finance system is set up, I know people are like, Shanti, I ain't got $1,000, girl. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> if you have $5, if you have $10, if you have $15 that you can give to a candidate, that makes you a donor. You are investing in someone's campaign. You are investing in democracy. And that money adds up. That can be social media ads. That's campaign lit. That's them doing a TV ad. As small dollar donors, we have the power to actually change this system. When we all come together with our little dollars those billionaires ain't got nothing on us. They can do whatever they want. They can say whatever we want because our $50 a month that we're giving to this congressional candidate now means that we have the most women serving in Congress. And that Congress is passing bills that will make our future better. So you matter, your vote matters, your dollar matters. This is our country. We should not let the 1% dictate how we live. So that's the interview. Uh, I, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't even know what else to say. I got a list of questions right here. I'm like, I, you just, I'm so lucky to have you on this show. Oh, thank you I'm for so having me. On this. Let's get a little more specific then. Um, this year is the 100th anniversary for the women's right to vote. Um, mm-hmm. As the uh, as the head of Emerge, which is encouraging women to run for office, and you and you help facilitate that. Also, as the creator of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, you've said and and shown many times that you can't win without women. You've actually you you said that people are finally realizing this as well. Can you expand on that whole concept? I'll say also, being a brother to three sisters, I've known this. Like I've known. <laughs> plan my whole life like my sisters my birthday is all planned out their birthdays are everything's planned out and I leave it to them because every time I plan something we end up at the beach with no water no towels and for some reason everybody (laughs) drinks water that's kind of how that turns out so uh, I'd love for you to expand and teach other people as well what you mean by we can't win without women yes so let's start with the number of elected offices we have in this country there are 520,000 people that we vote for to represent us. There's 520,000 elected offices. Women, we're 51% of the population. We do not hold 51% of those offices. Men still occupy 75% of those offices, and they're mainly white men. So when we're just saying you can't win without women, we're the majority of the voters. You need our vote. But also with women, just like you said, Alex, it's not just about us voting. 
We got the brothers, we got the friends, we got the colleagues. We bring everyone with us to the polls. We are a very powerful constituency. When we're talking about Black, Brown, and Indigenous women, especially with the Democratic Party, Black women are the base of the base of the Democratic Party. We consistently turn out. Now, let's tie this to women's representation in elected office. It was the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, but the fact is that only really gave the right to vote to some women. It technically gave women the right to vote, but we know that Black, Brown, and Indigenous women were left out of that movement. Mm -hmm. When they did participate, they had to march in the back. It was still very much about white women's empowerment. It was not about empowering all women. So when we talk about women in elected office, our white sisters have really had 100 years. We have not had 100 years. It's only been since 1965 and after that we have been able to be active participants in this political system. So when we're talking about women holding less than 51% of these offices, just across the board, women only make up 25% of Congress. When it comes to state houses, less than 25%. When it comes to mayors in major cities, less than 20%. If we want to tie that to Black, Brown, and Indigenous women, it is all under 10%. When we're talking about our Indigenous community in general, they make up less than 1% of elected offices. So we still have a long ways to go when we're talking about equality, not only for women, but also for people of color. So post-2016, we saw more women running for office. So many of them said, okay, if not Hillary, then who? Then me. I have to be the one to step up and run. And we saw a record number of women running. And this year, we also see a record number of women running, but particularly women of color, especially Black women. And people are like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I mean, this is so great, but why now? It's like the why now is because this is our time. We didn't have that time in the 1920s, the 1930s, the 1940s. This is how it is supposed to be. We are owning our moment, our political moment, our moment of power in this country to run for these seats. We just don't have to be the voters. We can actually put our name on the ballot and be the one at the table making the decisions. Uh, it seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, uh, that what you had just spoke about is kind of the basis of why uh, you were so inspired to start and, and continue working through this concept of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, making it such a beautiful movement. Uh, is there anything that you haven't mentioned already that is special to you or important to you that you want the listeners to know about the Brown Girls Guide to Politics? My story is a lot like yours, Alex. I don't come from a political family at all. I think people make that assumption because I do what I do. But fun fact, one day I was watching TV with my mom. She got up. I do what kids do. I changed the channel to what I want to watch. And I discovered C-SPAN. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> All these people yelling and fighting, wanting to make the country better. I am intrigued. 
And that is how I fell in love with politics. But even at a young age, I knew I did not see a lot of people that look like me. I didn't see a lot of women. I didn't see a lot of people of color. And that let me know that even though I love this, is there a place for me in this? Can I achieve with the few people I do see doing this? Can I do that? So I always had that doubt in my mind, but I stayed involved in politics. I had a great government teacher, Mrs. King. You got extra credit when you can volunteer. And I loved it so much. And I'm where I'm at now because of so many other women who saw things in me that I didn't see in myself, who uplifted me and supported me and helped me along this journey. And I'm so grateful for them, especially the Colored Girls. They have a great book out that I recommend your listeners go and read. It's Donna Brazil, Yolanda Carraway, Mignon Moore, Bishop Leah Daughtry, They were the women who I looked up to when I was just a little girl in Las Vegas who loved politics. I had to look all the way to Washington, D.C. to find those women. Mm. And I'm fortunate now that they're my mentors. So I'm very blessed in that way that I was able to connect with them. And the catalyst for the BGG was I had so many young women who would reach out to me saying, I'm interested in politics. How do I get started? I don't know if there's space for me. And that was my story. Mm. That's who I was. And I really wanted the opportunity to pay it forward and let them know, yeah, you belong. You belong in campaigns. You belong at political committees. You can be a consultant. Get your money, girl. I wanted them to know all the things that I didn't know. So I create the Brown Girls Guide to Politics as a platform and really a resource where women of color who love politics, think they may love politics, want to get involved in politics, have a one-stop shop where they can find brown girl-friendly organizations. We share news and we have our blog And I reached out to some of my friends and I joke, I basically asked them, hey, you want to join me in putting all our political business out on the internet and (laughs) helping other young women of color along their journey? And several of them said yes. And we did a series on the blog called Being the Only Brown Girl in the Room. Mm -hmm. Because even in 2020, there are still rooms, in this case, Zoom rooms, that (laughs) I go into And I'm the only woman of color. Sometimes I'm the only woman. And we talked about those struggles. And my blog focused on being the only brown girl in the room when people say some really messed up racist stuff. Mm. And how do you respond? And that blog series was very popular. It continues to be our most popular blog. And that became the catalyst for the podcast for us to be able to really tell those stories some more. And at the end of the day, I really think of the BGG as my love letter to my fellow women of color who love politics to let them know that they're seen, they're heard, they're valued, and they can make a difference. I literally could listen to you, you know, as a brother to three brown girls. I literally, I am listening to you talk about this. And that empowerment is really something that's important. In your first episode, uh, your first podcast episode featuring Stacey Abrams, who narrowly lost, just like um, like you had mentioned earlier, narrowly lost the Georgia governorship due to alleged voter suppression in her state. Uh, there's also a lot of talk right now 
about voter suppression and, you know, with everything from uh, mail-in ballots to just kind of uh, both sides are talking about how the election's rigged and you have so many voices talking about voter suppression. How worried do we need to be about voter suppression? I'm real. Voter suppression exists. And for those people who think that their vote doesn't matter, if it didn't matter, they wouldn't be doing all these shenanigans to try to stop people from voting. It would be like, oh, someone personally delivering your ballot to the door with the mask, like the face shield. They would want everyone to vote. But fact is, there's just some people in this country because of the changing demographics, they know that they cannot win honestly. So they have to suppress the vote. When it comes to our situation right now, Alex, people are thinking, oh, voting is going to start or voting is in November. Like we are in the general election. People in North Carolina are returning their ballots. This is it, y'all. It is game time. So the biggest thing that people need to do is keep up to date on what is happening with voting laws, election laws in your state. Make sure you know the deadline to request your mail-in ballot. Know the deadline for when you have to return that ballot. Know what color ink you have to complete your ballot in because it has to be a certain color ink or else they'll throw it out. Make sure you sign in all the places. Know if it's legal for you to help someone else out with their ballot. Know if it's legal for you to return someone else's ballot to the clerk if that is an option for you. Everyone needs to really educate themselves on this process. And pay attention if you have a Secretary of State election on your ballot because it's your Secretary of State who creates these laws. Going back to Stacey Abrams, Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, and everyone can't see me, I'm using quotation marks because that man stole the election. He was the secretary of state when he was running for governor. He was the candidate and the referee. He set the rules. He was able to rig it so he could win. And a report came out this week showing that there were over 200,000 people that they illegally removed from the voting rolls. Stacey Abrams lost by less than 50,000 votes. She would be governor. So everyone just has to be extremely diligent and also be diligent about who your state legislative candidates are because we're about to have redistricting. And can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, what is redistricting for, for those of us who don't know? That is when they redraw the lines to figure out what district you're in, how many members of Congress you get. We also know we're in the middle of the census as well. One of the things that they love to do with redistricting is something called gerrymandering. And especially for people of color, they like to put us all in the same district. That is another form of voter suppression. Them taking away our ability to have fair representation. So make sure you're looking at who your state representatives are because in a lot of states, they're going to be the ones who decide these lines for the next 10 years. And please take your census. When you don't complete your census, you're leaving money for your community on the table. That means you are leaving money for you on the table. That's roads, 
that schools. All the things that you use, that your family uses, they're counting on us not voting. They're counting on us not completing the census. Like, don't fall for the okey-doke. We need to make sure that we are on top of both of these things. I'm so mesmerized. I'm going to call out Catherine because she told me I'm mesmerized. And I was like, that's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Y'all are sweet. This conversation has been so really educational for me and inspiring for me. I want to close this out as we take a quick break uh, by asking you the same question. I would love to hear uh, your hope for post this election. What is it that you kind of hope to see as a result? I really want to see more great women in elected office up and down the ballot. I am proud to say that I'm voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It was really great when Vice President Biden said that he was going to put a woman on the ticket as his vice presidential candidate. I was excited the minute he said that. And I was excited when he chose Senator Harris. And the night that she accepted the VP nomination, I did a Women for Biden event. And they asked me, how do I feel about this moment? And I let them know that at the 1964 Democratic Convention, Fannie Lou Hamer fought to be sat as a delegate. This is what she wanted. This is what she fought for. This is what Shirley Chisholm fought for. This is what Harriet Tubman fought for. This was what they envisioned for women, especially women of color. So when she accepted that nomination, she was standing on their shoulders. This is the culmination of years of the work of women. Even with Emerge, I became the president in February of this year. We're celebrating our 15-year anniversary. I'm standing on the shoulders of women who did this before me. So there's just so much at stake. And there's so many great candidates who are on the ballot. So really research people. And what I tell people when they're thinking about voting every year is think about what you want your life to be like in five years, what you want your family's life to be like in five years, what you want the world to be like in five years. Find the candidates that will make that happen And that's who you vote for. And, you know, Alex, you said earlier, people are like, well, there's just no candidate that I like that 100% agrees with me. And my answer to that is, boo-boo, the only person you're ever going to 100% agree with is you. Hmm. So that means you need to run for office. You need to put your name on the ballot Hmm. if that's how you feel. And then you get to be someone else's candidate who's going to make their life better in five years. So run for office. We have to take a break only because we have to, literally because we have to run an ad. We're going to be right back because I don't even want to, I'm not even going to stop this incredible momentum we got going on. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. 
Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right, we're back. I told you we were not going to go anywhere quick. This has been just the most inspiring. So thank you both, Tanya and Ashanti, for, uh, for being such incredible guests on this podcast. Thank you. We're talking about voting in the dumpster fire of 2020. Literally almost every part of traditional campaigning processes uh, are different this year. You know, we're not knocking on doors. We're in a pandemic. Politicians can't have proper rallies or conventions like they've had in history. Even polling places are going to be looking especially different. We have mail-in ballots. And like you had mentioned, I would love to take this time right now to reiterate what Ashanti said at the end of hers. Learn what mail-in ballots mean for you in your community, in your city, in your town, in your state. The Postal Service has recommended people allowing 14 days round trip for your ballot. So I want to let you know, if you are casting your vote by mail, November 3rd is not your voting day. Your voting day, in essence, um, from the Postal Service's recommendation, would be October 20th is the day that you should mail in your vote so that it arrives for the count. That being said, what impact do you both feel that this new kind of weird, different version of an election, uh, what do you think that Im- impact is going to have on it? I still have hope. Now, at the beginning of March, when the pandemic hit, one of the things that we had to think about at Emerge is how do we support our women during this time? Because campaigning has been turned completely upside down. Like you said, Alex, you're not knocking doors. You're not doing your fundraising we had to really support them. And we created our Campaigning Through Crisis series where we went through all the ways that you had to adjust your campaign, especially because every campaign has the win number. And that's the number of votes that the campaign determines that they need to win. And for so many people, the win number changed, especially if you had a college campus in your district those students have gone home. And there were a lot of campaigns that were planning on them being back in the fall and they're doing remote learning. So I had to support one of our candidates with figuring out her new win number and getting her voters out. And why I say I had hope is with Wisconsin, there was a lot of back and forth about if they were going to have their election. And we didn't know until election eve that They were still going to have it. 
we had 59 of our Emerge alums on the ballot for that election, and 51 of them won their races because people in Wisconsin still turned out to vote in person, risking their lives to cast their right to vote because they needed better leadership. They knew that that was absolutely essential. And as we continue to look at the primaries, you still had record turnout either in person or via mail-in ballot in so many states. So people are paying attention. And I think one of the upsides to this is because we are having town halls online, because we're having fundraisers online, because we're doing meet and greets with the candidates online, it has allowed more people to participate because these are things that they can do now. Not everyone can make it across town at 6 p.m. for a fundraiser. Not everyone works hours that allow them to attend these fundraisers. So it has made getting involved with campaigns and getting to know your candidates a lot easier. But still, I'm going to say that's only for some people because internet is still a luxury in this country. And we know so many people don't have it. And we're unfortunately seeing that with our children who are sitting outside Starbucks and Taco Bells to use free Wi-Fi with parents who are writing papers on their phone for their kids because there's not a computer at home. It has also showed us truly the haves and have-nots that we knew existed but are on full display. So I have such hope. I'm also an optimist that people are really going to make sure that they're out there, they're doing their part to at least make sure we can get our country back on track. I love your optimism. Uh, Tanya, do you have anything that you want to add in terms of the impact that this kind of new world we live in is going to have on this election? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see turnout because I, I actually don't know if we have a full sense of how people are feeling, but we do know what they're dealing with. We do, we do know that we're dealing with record unemployment, and we do know that so many people are suffering, and they want some sort of relief. And so I think as a journalist, when we're taking we're, – we're having these discussions on our show and lots of other programs about the back and forth between Trump and Congress over a stimulus package or – the back and forth with politicians about what is true and what's not true. I'm really wondering about what everyday Americans are thinking about ultimately what they want for their lives after this election, because, you know, we can talk way up here, but the realities are, as Ashanti said, there are so many people, there are kids who don't have access to the internet. There are people who are working multiple jobs, driving lifts and Ubers to deliver food for people. And I just want to make certain that those people have all the tools they need to go out to vote for who they feel like will give them the future that they deserve during what is such a difficult time in the midst of a pandemic. Mm. Is there anything that you feel, Tanya, that you wish people were talking about more right now leading up to this election? Well, you know, Alex, I think what you represent is the majority of people and how they feel about politics, how they were raised. I mean, in many ways, I was raised that way, too. We didn't talk about the issues. We didn't talk about organizing or being a part of the political process besides voting. We were civically engaged, but I think ultimately 
what I look forward to getting back to or reimagining, because I think that so much discontent that we see as well, so much discontent and support for Trump, for instance, comes from people who never had faith in the political process to begin with. And so how can we reimagine the way that we interface with people, politicians interface with people, the media that is true to their experiences and what they truly want? You know, in addition to what Ashanti is saying about, like, if you don't see the candidate that you support, you know, that you that, that aligns with you, then run. The other part of that is you can be involved. You know, I was in South Carolina for the primaries in February, right before we went into lockdown for the pandemic. It was so heartening to see so many young people just assisting the candidates, really getting the word out. And their voice matters because they're talking to the candidates about the issues that are important to them. And they're informing those candidates on what's important as they go out into the world. And so those are also ways. I mean, they're always wanting to hear from their constituents. And I think that's the one thing that I'm really excited to see is the engagement of young people. They can do it through so many different means now, as Ashanti said. The one thing is that we can be more connected because we're just connected more digitally. So we're not like having to drive to different places. It's like the drum that we're always beating is that our voices do matter and in really informing what the candidates focus on and what they do for us. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember where I saw the stat, but like it's been talked about a lot that the young vote is stronger now than than it's ever been before. And uh, and, and whether we, we credit that to social media and everybody having an easier form of learning for what's going on in the world, and, and we're all connected, like you had mentioned, um, I think it's definitely something that we should continue highlighting. Uh, Ashanti, do you have anything that, sh- that you feel people should be talking about more, you wish people were talking about more right now that we can highlight? I think for this, we have to remember that the world wasn't always like this. We're sitting here during this time because people rose up and they made change. And change is hard. Change is uncomfortable. Change is difficult. And not everyone likes it. We see people fighting back now against this change. But this is what we have to do to make things better. And we have a choice right now. You have to decide what side of history do you want to be on? Because this moment we're living in right now, it is history. It is going to be in history books. So when the future young people in your family are asking you what you did during this time, Mm -hmm. figure out what do you want to say? Did you put on your mask and fight for Black lives? Did you go out and protest against ice and having kids in cages? Did you make sure that you watch the mailman pick up the mail in the little box that you put your ballot in because you wanted to make sure that your vote was heard? You got to decide right now what part of history are you going to be on and then take action. Absolutely. I, I wanted to step in to say, I think about this all the time. And I think about this even when I'm talking with the people in my life, like what side of history do you want to be on in this moment? And to your point, Ashanti, about change is hard and difficult and painful. I think that we looked at the civil rights movement of the 60s. It it was neatly presented to us in our history classes because, you know, that's the way it's synthesized in history books. But 
it was painful and chaotic and was not clear, and folks did not know what the outcomes were going to be. They did not know. Think about all of our leaders were being assassinated during that time. There were people fighting for the right to vote. There were people fighting for desegregation, all of those things. And there was no clear path that that was actually going to be a reality. And so we can look back and see that, oh, yeah, those changes did happen. You know what? I always call myself a realist, Ashanti, but I think I am an optimist in this in this regard, that I do feel like perhaps there is hope on the other side, that we are thinking about it in terms of change is hard and chaotic and painful. And if we keep working hard on the other side of it, we will see it. Mm. I mean, you said it right there where it's I think you have to have some optimism to endure that change, the hardships and the weird feelings and the uncomfortable conversations. And you have to be optimistic that through those things, you will see something better. And even if it doesn't, you know, knock on wood, I don't even like saying it. If it doesn't go our way, we can still look back and say, I I still am proud that I fought and I stood up for my brothers and my sisters, my gender non-conforming family members and, and really hunkered down and stood, you know, stuck my feet in the mud and stood for what I believed. I want to close with this, and you've both kind of mentioned it in the sense of, uh, and, and you've both shown it through your example of, uh, of getting involved in politics and, and, and discussing it, whether you're a member of the media, whether you are the president of a company that inspires women to run for office. I've definitely had that moment where people say things like, well, if you want a perfect candidate, why don't you go and run for it? And I think some of us start thinking to ourselves like, hmm, maybe I could or maybe I Alex, should. Alex, look, you already a star. You're only t- what? You're only 24. I mean, where are you going to be at 40? You just might be the president of the United oh States. Gosh, oh gosh. Uh, That's I mean, not the question. Not my point. My point is more. <laughs> I, I would love your advice for anybody, any listener who's starting to get that inkling or maybe they grew up like all three of us as I'm starting to find out and and politics wasn't something that was ne- necessarily uh, ingrained in their in their fibers. What's your advice uh, from both of you to that listener who wants to get a little bit more involved, whether it's on the running for office side or just whether it is being a very vocal person, being a strong voice in your community for politics? For me, we have to remember everyone starts somewhere. Nancy Pelosi did not wake up Nancy Pelosi. Kamala Harris did not wake up Kamala Harris. The co-founders of Emerge are friends with her, and they helped her with her first DA race. And they talk about how they had to help her write her bio, how they bought her a Palm Pilot to put in her contacts. We all start from somewhere, and you don't have to have it all figured out, and you do not have to be perfect because we see all of our elected officials and, oh, they got it all together. No, people talk about a reflective democracy. I want an inclusive democracy. That means that I just don't want the people that look like America. I want the people who have experienced homelessness. I want the people who have college debt. I want the people who know what it's like to experience bankruptcy because they lost their home during the crisis. Those are the best people to represent us because they have those real lived experiences. We need those voices at that table. And that is all of us. Yesterday, we did one of our Emerge Leaders Matters virtual salons with Congresswoman Deb Holland and Congresswoman Sharice Davids. 
both of them elected to Congress in 2018, the first Indigenous women elected to Congress. Mm -hmm. Think about that, 2018. And when we talked about running for office, Sharice said something, and it's like, it blew my mind. She's like, for us people of color, for us Black, Brown, and Indigenous people who live in this America, we're going to experience things that are a lot harder than running for office. Mm -hmm. Running for office is actually one of the easiest things that you can do as a person of color in this country because you've experienced so much worse, things that are so much harder that they prepare you to run for office and to be that person. So I think that that is my advice. We all start somewhere and know that you can be that person. Do, do you ever think that I'm, I'm a co-founder of Immersion Nevada in 2006. When I got that email, I was not like, oh, I'm going to run that organization one day. <laughs> that That never crossed my mind at all. But we all start somewhere and you will end up where you are supposed to be. Hmm. So keep that in mind. That's so good, Ashanti. You know, and and to just add to that, as crazy or twisted as it sounds, I think that Trump being our president in this moment speaks to people really having a yearning for the anti-politician. So they want real people who have experienced real things. And many people believe that Trump in somehow somehow represents that, even though he doesn't come. He comes from extreme privilege. But he is the anti-politician and that he had no experience before he set foot into this arena. But that speaks to the opportunity, I think, for people who are interested or may have an inkling that, you know what? Gone are the days when you have to have a spotless record. Remember when we were talking about Clinton back in the 90s, did he smoke a joint when he was in college? Like, that is no longer. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's talk about like people who have really lived in, they're not just career politicians, but they've lived life. And to Kamala Harris, wonderful example. I mean, her passion in the beginning was law and she was a lawyer and she moved through into being a politician. And so- there's so many different entryways and points to it, but maybe we can look at this as a point where we are reexamining what politicians look like and what they are and what we expect of them. Wow. I mean, I think about it like uh, just to add to that is like I think about musicians when people ask even me when they go, hey, how do you get into music? Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, I want to get into music, but I don't have this, that and the other. And it's that exact, the exact same advice that you both have given is the exact same advice. It's the same thing as when they ask somebody how to get into journalism, right? Or mm-hmm. I want to get into journalism, but I didn't come from a journalism family, or I didn't come from a family that did this, you know? Uh, I didn't come from a family of musicians. I, I'm pretty sure you didn't come from a family that was, you know, I don't think your parents' last name is NPR. Or- <laughs> right. My mom's still like, what is that? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll try to find it to listen to you. <laughs> I want to reiterate uh, just that, that thought that is, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you were raised in politics. Uh, I, I want to implore anybody who's out there listening, who has any inkling, even if it's an inkling that's against what your friends think, what your family thinks, what your peers think, what the people in your city or your state think, uh, follow your heart. And, uh, and, and that's something I really want to highlight for, for this whole election is vote with your heart. You know, identify what speaks to you, what speaks to your community and, and, and chase after it. And don't be afraid of that. Tanya, Ashanti, thank you so much. I really feel 
I love that you both came on here and I'm so grateful that you both came on here. Uh, we have this moment and, and it's kind of like our whole, our whole podcast right now is kind of changing in its tone. Usually I call it not so shameless promo. Um, but I just want to, I want both of you to just tell us where we can find more because I've, I wish this podcast wasn't just an hour long podcast. I wish I could talk to you both for, for the whole day. And, and I have so many questions and so many thoughts. And so for anybody else who has questions and thoughts, uh, where can we find you, Tanya? Uh, well, you can find me Monday through Friday at noon on NPR's Midday Show here and now. I also have a podcast, Truth Be Told. And truth be told, I am the 20 years older version of Alex, black woman version of Alex, all about <laughs> all about having these kinds of conversations, which I want to thank you. I do feel like you're such a national treasure. You're a star, but you're also a national treasure in that you have this platform and all of the things that you do as a way to amplify other thoughts and ideas and then use yourself in such a personal and vulnerable way to showcase what so many people are all feeling and wondering. So I thank you for that. But you can find me in those two places and of course all the social media platforms you can find me and I'd love to connect with everyone. I love that. Ashanti, your turn. Now you you got to you got to have a learning curve now. Tanya crushed it. So you can just you follow that same that same <laughs> format. Well, I first have to say thank you Alex for using your platform in this way because there still are so many people who won't touch politics. They don't want to be controversial. So what you are doing is amazing and you get to say you're on the right side of history when people ask you. So thank you for that. And for me personally, I'm Ashanti Golar on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Emerge America. Our website is emergeamerica.org. If you're a Democratic woman who's interested in running, we have some trainings coming up. So sign up for our list. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Emerge America. For the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, we are thebgguide.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The BG Guide. And we are currently doing a special series on the Brown Girls Guide to Politics podcast called Freedom Summer, where we are talking about what we are experiencing with what I say is our racial injustice pandemic. We have two pandemics going on in this country, a health pandemic and a racial injustice pandemic. And we're talking to Black women leaders at the forefront about where do we go from here? Tanya Mosley, Ashanti Golar, thank you both so much for coming on my podcast. You know you can find me at Alex Iono, A-I-O-N-O. It's the best part about having a weird last name. Please take some time to rate our podcast, subscribe to our podcast. That is how we grow. Please leave a review. That's how we grow. Uh, and I also just want to know what you think about this podcast. But thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time. It's politics time, baby. We'll talk to you later. We really want you to get the help you need. So if you need help, please seek independent advice from a competent healthcare or mental health professional. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of iHeartMedia or its employees. This podcast should not be used as medical advice, mental health advice, counseling, or therapy. Listening to the podcast does not establish doctor-patient relationship with hosts or guests of Alex Iono, Let's Get Into It, or iHeartMedia. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Woof, that's a doozy. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. 
You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.